And how about that choir tonight? You guys give them a round of applause. They've been up here all day, and we're so thankful for them and thankful for our band. And uh, thankful to have uh, Pastor Danny back this week too, right? He was on vacation. Love having him back with him leading with us. I could not think of really a better song for us to kick this new series off. We're in a series that's called Invest in the Person. And I want to explain to you a little bit today. We're going to do a bit of an introduction and, uh, as to where we're going over the course of these next few weeks. But that song is perfect because when we planted this church over 18 and a half years ago, uh, that was what we wanted to be all about was just lifting up Jesus, lifting Jesus up in our community to people who need to know how much he loves them. And that's why we're here, right? And it's our purpose and it's our goal to be sure that people don't just gain religion or become religious. That's not what we're about. We want people to understand what it means to have a personal relation, relationship with God. And, uh, and that's something that's important to me as, as, as a pastor here, and it's something that's important to our elders and the rest of our, our staff and our leadership team. We want you to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to follow Christ. It's important to us that you realize that you're created to be connected to your creator. And so as we go into this series called Invest in the Person, we're going to talk about several different things over the course of these next few weeks. I normally love to preach through books of the Bible. Uh, I love, we preached through Daniel this year, and we've looked to, uh, through the book of Colossians. The next series we'll do, we'll go into the book of Ruth. I'm excited about studying that here in a few weeks. But what we're, what we're going to be doing over these next few weeks is I'm going to take you biblically through what we believe to be some, some vision that God is giving us for our church and the, and the expansion and the growth that we're having in our church. We are growing at a very rapid pace. Let me just give you some, some quick statistics, okay? It's just, I won't bog you down with statistics, but I want you to know what's going on and I want you to celebrate with us and kind of ex understand that what's happening here at EVC is something that's special, okay, that God is doing. Uh, we have grown, we've been in this building now for around 15 months, a uh, little, little over a year. When we first moved in, we were doing two services. Within three months, we automatically had to go to three services. That's pretty awesome, right? Within a year's time, now we're doing, as you know, we've been doing for about eight weeks now, doing four services, and it's awesome. It is a bit of a challenge. Uh, I, I get concerned about, uh, again, our choir and, uh, and, and our, our workers that serve in different areas. I uh, kind of get concerned about that, but it's been a phenomenal thing because, again, we continue to grow. And by the way, I, I love this service, and I'm thankful to you for coming to this service. Uh, if you were early risers and went to the early services, there would be no room for you. This morning, in those three services, we already had a 1,000 people this morning, which is incredible, right? I mean, that's, been, that's an amazing thing in those three services. And by the way, there was some room in each of those services because now they're starting to spread out a little bit, okay? And, uh, and so we have some room to grow. But the reason we're doing this, this series is because we realize that it would be a mistake not to get out ahead of the growth. Because at the rate that we are growing, uh, if we don't begin to think about what we need to do next and make space and begin to think about how we're going to accommodate people, then we're going to be in a jam. Uh, and, and we're, we're, we're going to be in a place where then what happens is what happens in so many different churches, you begin to plateau and you begin to decline. And so, so we've, we've grown in that, in that number. We've, we've grown since March of 2017, when we were in our old facility, we have grown 99% since that time as a church. That's incredible. Yeah, you can clap to God for that. That's really cool. 
Uh, if we had about 20 more people, we could have said 100%, okay? But, but, so I don't know where these people were, but, but wouldn't that have been neat? But here's something that I'm most excited about. You know that we believe in being an aircraft carrier church. And, and if you're new here, let me explain what that is a little bit, is that an aircraft carrier church is about sending out. It's about everyone has a role. Everyone has a responsibility. We're all working for a mission together. It's not about entertainment. It's not about a pastor and a staff that's trying to entertain people. There are a number of churches that are called cruise liner churches. And that is what has happened in many of our churches in our society today. They've become cruise liner churches where you've got a small group of people that are trying to keep uh, about 90% of everyone else happy and entertained, and, and, and that's not what we're about. We want to be a church that's sending out and equipping you, and you're made for a mission. And, and so uh, our staff, we're those guys that are up on the, uh, the flight deck, and we're doing that, you know, like you see in Top Gun, all right? I hurt my leg doing it this morning with my leg, so I'm not doing that anymore. But, uh, but that's what we're about. So here's what's been exciting. Not only have we uh, grown just as a church right here, but uh, about a year and a half ago, we've always been in, uh, believed in multiplying and planting other churches. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we were supporting uh, around two churches, and that was wonderful, two new church plants. Well, because our base has grown now, and this is what excites me the most, just this last year, guys, we've been involved in supporting 10 new church plants. Isn't that awesome? That's fantastic. So the footprint uh, of what God is doing here is so much bigger than what he's doing right here in these walls right? I mean, God is giving us reach into Quebec and Honduras and other places in Saginaw and Cleburne in other areas where we're supporting in, in Hazlitt, other areas where we're supporting brand new churches that are getting started, which is so important. Now, now I want you to know that what's happening is special because it's not happening in a lot of other places. We want it to happen in, in our other churches. We want revival to come to many of our other churches, but the reality is, when you look at the spiritual landscape of America today, here is what we find, and it is bothersome. It's disturbing. 85% of churches that are in America today have either plateaued, which means they are no longer growing, or they are in decline. Most of them are in decline. So they're not growing. We're not reaching new people. Uh, spiritual landscape of America right now, uh, this, this should kind of just wake us up a little bit to the reality of what's happening in our nation. 33% would, would, who were polled would say that they were affiliated with, uh, in a religious, when they were polled about their religious affiliation, 33% said that they were affiliated with, uh, with some kind of Protestant denomination. 22% said they were affiliated with some kind of Catholic or with the Catholic denomination, and that is in rapid decline. Uh, there's been a lot, they've had a lot of trouble, right, with a lot of things that have been going on there. 11% are affiliated uh, with, with, let's just say, other. They called it other. When you, you have Muslim and, and uh, Hindu and Buddhist and all kinds of different things that they're just kind of putting in one, one kind of lump there. And then, th but, but none of those are the largest group. This is the largest group in America now. It is called the nuns, and it's not the N-U-N-S, not those nuns. That would be weird if that was the largest group in America, right, okay? That is not growing quickly, I promise you, all right? It's the N-O-N-E-S, and what that means, those nuns, they, have, they are now saying, 34% say they have zero, no religious affiliation whatsoever. That is, one of the, that is the fastest growing group in America today. 
And that, that's the spiritual landscape, okay? So we're, we're growing. What's happening here, we don't take for granted. People are coming to faith in Christ. We're seeing people get baptized. We're baptizing 10 at a time. I love that. That's awesome. We want to keep doing that, right? So you're seeing something special. And by the way, again, the reason we sing in Christ alone, because anything good that is happening here is because of Jesus. Amen, right? It's not because of a pastor or a staff or, or anybody here. It's because Christ is being exalted. You are inviting people to come know who he is, and God is doing something special with that. And we are committed to multiplying and making disciples. And so that is something that God is really blessing. Now, here's what else is happen, happening. And I'm giving you these statistics because I just want you to know what's on our hearts as your leaders. So you've got the spiritual landscape, you have what's happening in our church and the growth that's happening there. Now what's going on in our community? What's happening in our community since we planted this church in 1999 uh, and we've, gr we've grown and it's been wonderful since we've planted the population of our target area in the Eagle Mountain Saginaw area has grown 300% since we planted this church. That's phenomenal growth, right? which tells me this, God definitely was putting it on my heart at that time to start a church in this area. That was the area I grew up in. God knew that all of this growth was coming, right? And he knew that we were supposed to be here. And so you've got 300% growth. Just take, man, I don't have to break statistics down. All you gotta do is realize this. There are 100,000 people now that are living in the 76179, 052, and 131 area code. And the reason you know that is because you're driving in the traffic with them every single day now, right? Amen, right? You know it. Our roads cannot sustain what is happening out here, and so that is why everything is under construction. Everything is, we, are, that, that we, we did not keep up with the growth. That's what we want to be sure doesn't happen with our church. And so we see that happening. There are thousands of homes that are going in all around us. I won't bog you down with those numbers, but there are several thousand going in behind us. You can see the roads that are being cut right now, right back through there. We have three major high schools in this area. Whenever we planted, we, were, we had one major high school, all right? And, uh, and so now we have three. We have a fourth high school that is going in in 2024 up on Bonds Ranch Road. That has already been approved through a bond election. It's happening, okay? So 2024, they're cutting a road through where the Chewies is on Boat Club Road. It's going to go to Bonds Ranch. There's going to be a new high school, a new middle school, and a new elementary school. If you live in the Bonds Ranch area, get ready because the growth is coming your way. It's coming your way. Everything is growing in this direction, and God... Now, I'm giving you all of this information, all right? By the way, the largest statistic of, of people in this area, uh, this may, you may not realize this, but the largest generation in this area right now is not the builders. Those are our World War II, great, great, uh, those, th that great generation. It's not the boomers, and that's a huge, that's a huge group. It's not the Gen Xers. That's my whiny group. Okay. That's, that's me. All right. It's not us. Do you know who it is? It's the millennials. <laughs> Someone said, uh oh, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> they are the largest group, which I want you to understand something that they also make up the largest bit of that 34% that claim no religious affiliation. Now, that really shocked me when I learned this. By the way, the population group that is behind them next is not any of the ones I mentioned before. It's called Gen Z, and that is the ones who are teenagers right now, my daughter's age group. 
the ones who are in our high schools right now and, in their, and about to go into their 20s, that is Gen Z. That is the second largest population group. What does that tell us? If we study these kinds of things, what does it tell us about our area that God has called us to? It is a very, very, some of you are going, I feel very old now. But here's what, it, here's what I want you to know is that God has placed you here. He has placed us here for this moment in eternity, for such a time as this. And we can't miss that as a church. We have to understand. I was surprised by those statistics because when we look in the, in the population of most of our churches, what you're not seeing is you're not seeing a lot of millennials and you're not seeing a lot of Gen Z. So what does that tell us? We had better be intentional in loving them and going after them. Amen? Do you realize that we are really one generation away from, from church just being completely irrelevant to our entire nation? And I don't say that to just shock you. Well, maybe I do. Because it's just, I want you to get it that that's, that's really where we're at. This is critical. It is, it is go time for the church, right? That we have to understand what's happening in, our, in the landscape of where, of where we're at. And, and you say, Bart, why are you giving us all this? Because I want you to understand that it is a great responsibility. And it is not by accident that God blessed us with this property of 12 acres right in the middle of all of this growth that is happening all over this area. God blessed us and we paid this property off. We got it for a bargain uh, because there was a godly man that owned it and wanted a church like ours to be planted right here. And he blessed us with a great deal on it. And we paid it off in a matter uh, of a few years completely. And, and then we moved out here and we took our time in doing it right and getting here. And now we are positioned to have this inc incredible global impact for God. And, and to not take for granted what's going on and to understand that it's something special that's happening. Now, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, but I want to take you to Luke 12 first because Jesus is going to speak to people who he's calling to faithfulness, the disciples that he is sending out, and he's saying, I want you to be faithful until I come back. And you need to know, and I think you know this, Jesus has not returned yet, right? <laughs> okay? Now, look at what he says. Jesus says, in fact, I want to invite you to read it with me out loud. Say it with me out loud, church. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Let me ask you a question. Do you, if you're a part of EVC, do you recognize and feel like and understand, do you believe that God has blessed us with much here? What do you think? Amen, right? All right, that's a good place to go. Amen. Yes. Right? Yes, he has blessed us with so much. And that's why this is so important that we understand that we have this great responsibility. So as we go into this series called Invest in the Person, I want to give you a couple of disclaimers before I get into the text of Luke 10. All right? The disclaimer is we never have had an ambition to be a mega church or a big church. But you need to know something that we are already considered by statistics today, we are a large church. In fact, this size group in here is bigger than most churches in America today. And this is the fourth time we're doing this today. And, and by the way, you, you guys are 
close to the early service. I think you're close to that in size. Just saying, a few more people, we got them in the early service, okay? Just saying, all right? But here's the deal. I'm just wanting you to get that this is, we've never, that was not our desire. I never envisioned that I would be a pastor of, of a big church. And that's something that I struggle with. I'm telling you, I'm trying to learn it more and learn how to be a better pastor. And because the reality is, I, and I'm just being transparent with you today, okay? And I try to be that way with you every week. But I want you to understand that it's hard uh, for me as a pastor to realize that it is becoming impossible for me to learn everybody's name and that bothers me very much because I have a pastor's heart and I love people and I love to know you, but, but, I, and I, but I want you to understand uh, as we are growing and as it continues to grow that, see, it still kind of feels like it's a smaller church because, well, we're a smaller group in here. But if you were to get everybody together at one time, we're talking about around anywhere from 12 to 1,350 people every Sunday. And at Easter, we had 1,800. What is next Easter? What is that going to look like? Probably over 2,000. And, that, and so I struggle with that. And you can pray for me in that. And you can also maybe cut me a break and not, not come up and say, do you know my name? Don't do that to me, okay? You're killing me, all right? Because <laughs> I feel terrible. I'm trying my best. But just know that, that it's impossible for anybody. I mean, think if you were put in that place, could you possibly know everyone? No, it's not possible. Okay, so, so here's what that is so important. What, what is so important about this is as we grow, what's important is that we want you to be sure you're getting in small groups. We want you to be sure that you're in a group with people who do know your name and you know their name and you're ministering to them because your pastors can't minister to everybody. You, you're called to be ministers to people, right? And to love on people and to go to the hospital and see people and we can't do it all. We want you to use the gifts God has given you to be the body of Christ. And so I just want you to understand that that disclaimer in this is that that's not our ambition. Our call by God is this, to make disciples. And when you are making disciples that are making disciples that are making disciples, what do you think is going to happen? We're going to grow. We're going to grow. And if we're not growing, that means we're not healthy. Things that are healthy grow and things that are healthy reproduce. And that is what's happening here. And so I praise God for that. I praise God for that. The other part of the disclaimer is you're wondering, okay, well, what is this, what is this series going to be about? What, what's my part in this? Well, everything, what we want you to do more than anything is we want you to pray. Because as we are going through these growth pains and as we're trying to figure out next steps, you need to know that because something special is happening in your church, uh, you need to understand that there is a giant target on our backs as a church. There is a target on the backs of your pastors as we're trying to lead you and, and because the enemy is not happy with what is happening and we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We have a spiritual enemy that wants to take this church down. So we are calling you to prayer. We're asking you to commit to praying every day for your church and praying for your leaders and praying for one another. The other thing you can do is you can participate in this series. How can you participate? Well, one, by coming on Sundays, absolutely, we want you to do that. But by getting in some of the small groups where you can learn more about what this Invest in the Person series is about. The other way you can get involved and participate uh, is by coming to one of our vision fellowships. And in that vision fellowship, 
we are going to break down for you what we believe are some of our next steps of what it means to expand here. What is that going to look like when we knock this wall out and when we add commons area? What, What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish And the other thing that is so important for me to convey to you that I want you to understand, and I promise I'm going to get to Luke 10, but here's what it is. We have never been about a building as a church. I'm thankful for this building, aren't you? Amen? I love it. I love that we get to use it. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, it was economical. We were very wise in how we, uh, we spent on it, and it, it was, it's been a great facility, but it's a tool. This building has never changed anybody's life. God doesn't use buildings to change people's lives. He uses people to change people's lives. So invest in the person. We are investing in people. And and so the other way that you can participate is that we are going to, because as we grow, we are going to be talking not every single week. I don't want you thinking, man, he's going to try to soak us for money every single week. That is not what this is about. We will tell you that there, are, there is going to be a time that if you feel led, if you feel led to participate and to pledge in and to help us uh, finance what God is doing here, then we would welcome you to come and join us in this. And by the way, I will never ask you to do something that I am not already doing myself and that I'm not leading out in doing. And so there will be an opportunity for us to begin to invest. But what does it mean to invest? Investing in something means you take something that is a treasure of yours and it means that you, that you place and entrust it into something that you believe is going to have a lasting impact, right? If you were to invest in the stock market, you're, you're, you're looking at a big return. That's why we're calling it invest because as we're asking you to invest and to be generous and, and to give into this, uh, and, and by the way, you'll never get pressure from me to do this all of you who have been around here for a long period of time, you know that I'm not a high pressure preacher who all we're trying to do is get your money or whatever. And all God's people know and have said that about me, right? Amen, right? Okay. You can say amen then. Help me out. Okay. I've never been a high pressure guy. What I will do though, is I will shepherd you and I will lead you. And I will tell you that certain things we do cost money if we're going to move forward. And if God leads you to get in on it, I trust the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And so if, so what I want you to do is to take a big deep breath and know that yes, we'll mention finances, but this is not about finances. Okay. So you can relax and you can know that we're going to be moving forward, doing some exciting things that we want you to be a part of. So investing in the person, well, what, what are we trying to do? Well, we start when, whenever we started thinking about what's next, we were looking, looking at some of the things that we needed to do. And I just told our staff, I said, we were in a meeting. I said, I just want you to know, guys, I don't get very excited about buildings. That doesn't like light my fire and get me fired up for Jesus. I'm just being honest. I'm thankful for this building, but that doesn't. What gets me fired up and excited is whenever people's lives are being changed and the people who are in these buildings, right? The people, let me give you an example. This week, we had a, a young man who was 16 years old. Buildings don't change lives. People do. Jesus does. But sometimes God can use a building as a tool to draw a person to it. Well, we had a 16-year-old young man who uh, felt drawn to our facility this week. He came in 
came in to the, uh, to the church area, uh, in the commons area. He sat down and just so happened on this specific day, Bruce Barrick, who is one of our elders and who leads our, our ministry to those battling with mental wellness and mental health issues, the Hope Ministry. Bruce just so happened to be here today. For those that will listen online, I'm doing air quotes, okay? He just so happened to be here on that day, Bruce goes over to him. He looks distraught. Bruce sits down with him. He's obviously skipping school. And Bruce says, is there something going on? Can I help you with something? And he began to talk to him. To make a long story short, this young man, 16 years old, lets Bruce know that it was his full intent on taking his own life that night. And he tells Bruce that. Now, if you know Bruce and Debbie, you know that five years ago, Bruce and Debbie lost their son Gabe to suicide. And God connected Bruce with that 16-year-old kid on that day, right? Buildings don't change lives, people change lives. So we want to invest in people that we're trying to reach in our community. Who are we, the facilities that we expand, what is that going to do? Who is that going to reach? How can we use it? Well, one, we're going to seek to double this space by knocking this wall out and doubling this, this space. We'll double the stage. We'll have more space for more people. We, we, maybe we will go to four services. Who knows? Because we may just keep growing like crazy, right? And I'm not worried about that. I just want to reach as many people for Christ as we can. And so we will knock that out. We'll add more common space. So we're making space for people. If you're here in the mornings, you know that in between those three services, that common space is, it is a zoo out there, okay? And, and parking is a zoo. We'll be adding parking. We have to add parking. But here's the things that excite me the most. What excites me is we're going to be needing to add children's ministry space because our children's ministry is booming uh, this morning, they, they, they were just going crazy with how many they had this morning down there. We're looking to add more space for our student ministry. We're going to put a new student ministry space in place for them because our student ministry is growing and we believe that we're going to continue to grow. So that's going to be a part of it. And we'll break all of this down for you in those vision fellowships. Here's some of the other things that excite me. We have an awesome ministry here that is called Unhindered. It's a special a ministry to those who have special needs. And there are families who are in this community who have special needs children. And that many of them have told us that they have tried to go to church and churches, but they often feel marginalized. And they often feel like there's nothing for them. Or it's not that people are mean, it's just that there's nothing for them. So we are going to build build dedicated space for our special needs ministry area. And we want to see that area grow in our church. Amen. Isn't that awesome? We want to reach those families. Those families need to be loved and those families need Jesus too. And I have a feeling that Jesus would be loving on those people. Don't you? Right? We also are going to expand our hope ministry areas. That ministry is just getting launched and it's taking off. And that is for those who are battling with mental health issues. And that is an epidemic in our society today. We want to see a counseling center. We want to see that up and running because in this area where I have grown up in, there is a deficiency in helping people who are battling with mental health. The church needs to step up in this area, and we're trying to lead the charge in our area in that. We feel called to do that. And so 
as we talk about investing, each week we're going to talk about those segments of that population. We want to reach all families, but we really, we realize this. We had better intentionally and specifically go after young families with the gospel of Jesus. We need to be certain that we're being intentional as a church. Our church, typically what you find in churches is that the age of the church typically mimics the age of the pastor. And I'm just saying, I'm bumping 50 right now. Randy is 50, just saying. <laughs> he's the old man on staff. He's, he's going to come in and say, I heard you call me old man. So here's here, the remaining time I have with you. Here's what I want to do. I want to push pause. Because all of this is exciting, but here's what I know. Over these last months leading up to this, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I have felt overwhelmed, and here's a word that I really relate to, very, very busy. Does anybody relate to being busy? Raise your hands. Does anybody feel, I'm going to give you some words, let's see. Does anybody feel rushed? Raise your hands. You should try preaching three services in the morning. I feel rushed. Those things are back to back to back, okay? Does anybody feel stressed? Raise your hands if you feel stressed. Is anybody fatigued? Anybody? Anybody feel distracted, right? I mean, you should try preaching when the cowboy game is on on the back screen, all right? That is tough. I knew some of you would look, okay? It's not. I think they're losing anyway, all right? Running, uh, does anybody just feel like you're running on empty? Yes. What about this? Anybody, fear, anybody just feel irritable? Anybody feel irritable? Who feels irritable, right? Does anybody know anybody that's irritable? Raise your hands. Point at them. Let them know. Man, you're so irritable. I'm irritated with you. You're irritated with me, right? You better be careful, all right? But here's what the, I felt like the Lord was just really speaking to me about, okay? As we're getting ready to go into all of this activity, we're, we're even amping up some activity. Literally, there's something, my wife can attest to this, she's in this service. There's like, there's something every night of the week. And I know that this just isn't our family. I know it's your family's too. This isn't woe is me. And here's the reality. This is even, isn't even a Christian issue or a non-Christian issue. This isn't uh, uh, a, even a 21st century issue. We're going to look at this passage real quick. And you're going to just see that this is a, it's a person issue. <laughs> that we all battle with this. We all can get distracted. So here is Jesus. Okay, let's transition into this. I want to hit pause for a moment before we go into the series because I want us to be sure that in all of the activity, in all the things that we're doing, we don't miss the most important thing, and that is connecting with Jesus. Because we could do all kinds of activity, and you realize you could miss Jesus in all that? So we're going to be sure that we pause at his feet today, and we're going we're to rest in him today. Now, I can't change your schedules. I can barely manage my own. In fact, I can't sometimes very well. But what we can do is we can recalibrate. We can be sure that we're making certain that we're not missing him as we go about our days in the midst of the busyness. 
There are two women that we're going to see just real quick who have a conversation with Jesus. Actually, it's just a lady named Martha who has a conversation with Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we're going to read this together really quickly, and then I'm going to give you some patterns of what busyness does, and we're going to have communion together, and we're going to recalibrate at Jesus' feet today. But here is what we know. It's about six weeks before Jesus is going to go to the cross. Jesus is spending intentional time with people that he, he loves everyone, but these are close friends of his. He's in relationship with Martha and Mary and Lazarus, their brother. He goes to their home, and this is what the scripture says, by the way. By the way, here's your key thought. Let's go back one. Your key thought is this. What I've learned is busy isn't better. Choosing what is best is actually better. We've kind of bought into the lie that if I'm busy, well, that's, that means that it's better, okay? But here's something else that I know as a pastor and as someone who battles with this, I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching down to y'all. Y'all are like right up on me, up in my grill today, okay? All right? But, um, but, but here is that you're in the splash zone, the spit zone. Watch out, okay? But here is the thing that I know is this, is that busy people are often broken people. Say, how are they broken? Well, I know you're often broken and I can be broken this way emotionally. We're frazzled emotions, right? We're struggling. We're often broken spiritually because we disconnect from God when we're super busy and we lose focus. And here's another thing that I see. We, we are relationally broken because we end up really not investing in one another because we're just going through the motions of trying to get through another day. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Busy people are often broken people. So Jesus is going to speak into Martha's life because she was busy and distracted just like we can be. So in 1038, he says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Martha was, what? Distracted, okay? She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are, everyone say it with me out loud, you are worried. That was great participation. Good job. And you relate to those words, don't you? Worried, upset, distracted, stressed. We get it. You're worried and upset over all these details. That translates also over many things. Many things. And then he says there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and that actually translates one thing that is necessary, necessary. And Mary has discovered it. This word discovered, if you dig in on it a little bit more, there is a nuance of discovering something, finding something out, but here's what it literally means. Mary has chosen it. It's a choice. There's a choice, and we need to get that. We have choices. Yes, we may not be able to control our schedules, but we can control the way we respond to our schedules, right? And what we are overwhelmed with. And it will not be taken from her. 
So here's what I see with Martha, okay? Martha is the original Martha Stewart. She is wanting everything here to be perfect for Jesus. And she is, she's, the hospitality of the day would be when a guest comes in, you give them a kiss on the cheek, you put some oil on their head, you wash their feet, you welcome them, you give them something to drink. That's basic hospitality. And honestly, we'll see, that's really all Jesus was looking for. But Martha, well-intentioned, is going to go above and beyond. And I, I think she starts out just really wanting just to do something great for Jesus. But somewhere along the way, she ends up losing focus. She was the original Martha Stewart here. She wants everything perfect. Now, her sister has chosen, rather than being involved in all the activity, to choose a posture of sitting, and it says Jesus was teaching in their living room there. Can you imagine God himself is in your house teaching you, and you're busy, worried about the, the placemats that are going to be on the table or the kishkas that are in the oven, <laughs> right? And that's what's going on. Some of you are like, what's kishkas? It's a Jewish food, okay? All right? I didn't know that until I looked that up this week. But here's what I, here's what I discover about this, okay? Right? And, and, and whenever I look at this, I, I chuckle at this passage, not because I think Martha is so out of touch or whatever. I chuckle at it because I see a lot of myself in it. And I think you probably do as well. Some of us, our personalities are more inclined to this, but all of us can get distracted. Let me just give you what happens in the pattern of busyness, and then let's have communion together. Patterns of busyness, what begins to emerge, what happens is that you'll find that busyness often begins with good intentions. We start out with a a good intention. Martha was not evil here. She started off doing something great. Right, And you probably started off doing something that was very well-intentioned, to bless people around you, to do something special for others or whatever. And sometimes, even in the midst of, of ministry, we can end up losing the focus of why we're even doing it. And then, the second thing that happens is we get derailed by distractions, Distractions start coming in, right? And, and we start noticing other people aren't serving maybe the way we're serving or we can't control other people around us and that starts to bother us. And so she starts off with good intentions, but now she's distracted a little bit. And I've noticed this about myself. Some of you will notice this about yourself as well is that sometimes our things that should be priorities somehow get flipped around and become distractions and things that should be distractions end up getting flipped around and become our priorities. Have you noticed that? And that's something that happens all the time. We get distracted. Now, here's what it leads to. Self-imposed pressure and unmet expectations. We start putting pressure on ourselves. We have unmet expectations. Others won't do what we think they should be doing. And and so then we're getting frustrated. We're trying to control other people. The control freak of Martha is being unleashed at this point, okay? And then that produces self-pity. We start feeling this self-pity. We have pity parties. Look at what it says in verse 40. Lord, doesn't it? She, Jesus is teaching. God is teaching. And this woman is, I can just envision it. She's, she's, she's going around the house, huffing probably, right? 
nobody's helping. You know, all the disciples are in there at his feet. Mary's at his feet. He's, she's probably sighing loudly when she comes in, all passive aggressive, <sighs> trying to get their attention. Nobody's paying attention. She's slamming camel, camel hair placemats down because that's what she made for this special occasion. Nobody's noticed. And then finally, we don't know what it is that got her to a place where she kind of flips and then she interrupts Jesus while he's teaching. She could have at least come up behind Jesus, although we know Jesus would have known this because he is God and he is all-knowing, but she could have come up behind Jesus and looked at Mary and could have done this, you know, but she didn't. She didn't do that. She goes while Jesus is teaching and says, hey, Jesus, don't, that's funny, isn't it? Don't. You, you know why you're laughing? Because you know you would do that, right? <laughs> this happens at every Thanksgiving family dinner we have, okay? All right? Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? Do you know how that really translates? Don't you even care that she won't help me? Don't you care? that my sister just sits here while I do all the work, now this woman is going to boss Jesus around. Look at what she says. Tell her to come and help me. Do you know what I have discovered about myself is when I am really busy and there's very little margin in my life, that is when I am most prone to saying things that I deeply regret. Because don't you know, later after Jesus left, she was probably like, I cannot believe I said that to Jesus. I told Jesus what to do, right? But this is what's going on. And then here's what this begins to lead to, all right? Resentment. And that might be where some of us are. You're angry, and resentment begins to develop into bitterness. Maybe you're angry just because of your schedule. Maybe you're angry at your boss. Maybe you're angry at your spouse. Or what, and there's anger that resentment begins to reside in our hearts. And that resentment there. And, and Jesus, as he begins to engage with Martha in this conversation, what I love about this is he doesn't, he doesn't get harsh with her. Because I'm just telling you, Martha needs to understand she's lucky that I wasn't Jesus, all right? Because if she'd have tried to control me like this, my family knows this. Oh, don't you tell me what to do, woman. That's, that's exactly what would have happened. She would have been like, and I would have been like, here's a shekel. Call someone who cares, okay? All right? You'll get that when you're driving home, okay? There's a song. But, but, here, but here's what I, but I'm thinking as she's interrupting tell her to help me. I envision Peter leaning over to John going, awkward. <laughs> right? But the Lord said to her, I love this part, my dear Martha. You know, there's another place where he has a conversation where Lazarus died. It says that Jesus looked at Martha and he, it says that Jesus loved Martha. He's not scolding her. See, the last thing I would want for you tonight, if you're really struggling with this, is to come in and to feel a bunch of condemnation. We don't need that, do we? It's already hard with what you're dealing with. What I want you to do tonight is to realize Jesus says there's a better way. 
There's a better way. Martha was all feeling pressure. Mary was all at peace. Martha was working, working, working crazy. And there are times where we definitely, you want to work hard. But Mary was making sure that, that she was worshiping. Right? Martha was distracted with everything. Mary was focused. And I know this about all of us. Every one of us in our hearts, we know in our heart of hearts, excuse me, that Mary had it right. Now, I know what you may be thinking. You may, but, but things still have to get done. Absolutely. What I pray for on a regular basis is, God, give me the hands of Mary and that I work hard at everything I do, but give me the heart, or excuse me, of Martha, where I'm working hard at everything that I do, but give me the heart of Mary in it, where I have a heart of worship while I'm serving. Because you see, you can be serving and serving in this church and serving at work and serving your family, and your heart can be bitter while you're doing it. And that's not what God wants. You see, what Jesus, in essence, is getting to with Martha is this, where he says, she's Mary has discovered this. It won't be taken from her. You're worried. You're upset about all these things. What he's saying is, there's, you can't do. What I'm not looking for is what all you can do for me. What I want, Martha, more than anything, is for you to realize I'm here and for you to be connected with me for you to be in relationship with me. And I want you to know something, that Jesus is here with us tonight. And he so deeply wants to connect with you, and he so loves you. And so tonight, we're going to close our time together by remembering his sacrifice. You see, because of what Jesus did six weeks later by going to the cross and dying for us on the cross, his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us so that we would have forgiveness of sin, not so you would become religious, but so that you would be able to be in relationship with him. Here is, here is the great thing. We can have communion tonight. We can be in fellowship with him because he has paid the price for our sin, and we want to remember that tonight. So if you have grown distant, and we all do, maybe in your relationship with God a little bit, maybe you've drifted a little bit, maybe you've lost some focus over the last year or maybe 10 years, or maybe it has been since you were a kid, since you've been really close to God. If there's been a time in your life where you've been closer to the Lord than you are now, then here's what I'm saying to you as your pastor. The Lord is calling you to come to him and sit at his feet today. To sit at his feet and to choose what is best. What is best. So when you take the bread, remember it's a body that was broken. Jesus' body broken for us. When you take the cup and you go back to your chair, remember that that blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. And when you remember that today, let's make this a time as a church, before we get into all the activities of what we'll be doing for the Lord, let's be sure that we're not missing the Lord. Let's be sure that we are recalibrating. You might need to recalibrate today as a husband, as a wife, maybe as a parent. Maybe you've been harsh with people around you because you've been so busy and there's no margin and things are coming out of your mouth that haven't been good. That's because that's what's going on in your heart. 
And so today, let's bring those things to the Lord. Let's, let's sit at his feet. Let's, let's worship him. Let's, let's have this communion with him that we were created for. I want to invite you just to bow your heads before him right now. And our band is going to go ahead and come up and they're going to start playing some music. And, and I just want you right now just to think about how much you are loved by Christ. What does that mean for you today? Have you drifted? He's calling you to him. Randy mentioned it earlier. In fact, he's been pursuing you, that Hesed love.